Welcome to the Pat Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio. I'm here with my friend and co-author Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a program that we deliver live over Facebook and YouTube every Thursday evening from 6 to about 6.30 p.m. It's an opportunity for us to share some of the knowledge that we gained over many years facilitating pet loss support groups with an even broader audience than we were able to reach with our book, The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And because we've got this new medium, we can have a dialogue with you. And we encourage you to write to us. And you can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. You can reach Nancy at nsaxtonlopez at csmpc.com. That's N-S-A-X. T-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z at csmpc.com. This information that I'm sharing at the beginning here is all contained in the description that is at the base of the video or the audio, depending on how you're, you're accessing the program. And if you write to us, you can share a story of your own. What, what we do on this program a lot is we share stories that we've received from audience members because we know that People hearing the podcast, listening to the stories of others, gain a lot of solace from doing so. And so if you have a story that you'd like to share with us and you write to us, we will do our best to get back to you. We may not be able to get back to everybody because of the volume, but if you also, if you tell us in your email that we are allowed to share what you send to us, we will probably do that at some point again we've mm -hmm. got a lot of volume so it's it's hard to say if we'll if we'll be able to do that anytime soon but we will try because we very much like to to honor the the emails that yes. people give us in that way and share them and so let us know if it's okay to share you can also let us know that it's okay to share using an it. alias or not showing not mm -hmm. sharing parts of the content of what you send us, that, that's all up to you. You can also recommend guests. You can recommend topics. We're very happy to hear your suggestions. You can support our work in a number of different ways through Venmo, through PayPal, through monthly subscription. All of the above, again, are in the program description. We'd like you to know that this program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more on Dakin, and I do encourage you to visit them at their website. You can go to dakinhumane.org. That's D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E.org. Dakin also sponsors a cost-free Zoom pet loss support group that I facilitate once a month. It is usually on the second Tuesday of the month, and it runs 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. There is no cost for this. You can join from anywhere. We have people who join from all across the country and all, all across, across the, the world. world. Get all different kinds of perspectives and a lot of sharing that is really gratifying and helpful for everybody to part who participates. The next program is May 9th, and you can find the RSVP link in the description to the broadcast today. Please consider subscribing on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and press the subscribe button, that helps other people who would benefit from the program to find it when they're searching for content. And we're hearing more and more from people that they find the program by searching and, and that this program comes up and they then, they then find some benefit in it. So if you could do us the favor of going it to YouTube, subscribing, that would be helpful. 
and it will help other people who could use the content that we provide. So we're going to get started today and we have a couple of stories. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to start with the first one. It's John. by a gentleman named John. Mm -hmm. And here's what he writes. He writes, I think I'm mostly writing just to write my feelings about what has transpired over the past six weeks. Sorry in advance for poor grammar or typos. I feel pretty depressed and my brain isn't firing on all cylinders. So that's part of the way grief shows itself, right? Sure. That's par for the course. Although he writes actually in a very, in a very fine manner. It's not yes. real. It's not a really a big, not a lot of big problems with his grammar, as you'll see. So some backstory on Lewis. Lewis was an eight-year-old standard poodle belonging to my partner originally, but has been my dog as well for about four of his eight amazing years. Lewis was born in Pennsylvania, where he was a decorated show dog, winning his champion status early on. Let me show a picture of him. Yeah, he's absolutely stunning. Yeah. Stunning dog. Winning his, his champion status early on at about three or four, Pat moved, Pat is his partner, moved to Colorado with Lewis, transforming him from a show poodle to a mountain poodle, as you can see in this picture. Pat and I met and I fell for the girl and the dog. Such a such an iconic story. Wonderful story. Yes. Lewis was unlike any dog I'd ever met. Originally I thought I thought what most people people do about what most people do about poodles girly dogs i didn't think most people thought that but anyway he's saying cartoons yeah i heard they could be mean and didn't have stellar temperaments but man was lewis just waiting to prove me wrong over the course of the past four years lewis has been through everything with us along with my pup julie a rescue blue healer from reservations down south Pat and I became, being avid outdoor enthusiasts, Lewis tagged along on every adventure imaginable. He has been on countless Colorado 14ers. He has ran down ski runs next to us. He backpacked the Swiss Alps and joined us on every month long climbing and biking road trip from Moab to Sedona, Bellingham to Boise, Jackson Hole, Santa Cruz, and every mountain town in between. We never left Lewis behind. Every small town pit stop, we couldn't go in for a beer without someone commenting on Lewis, a fresh to death mountain poodle with mullet high top fade. When they stopped for a moment longer, they could feel his amazing presence. He was the ultimate sidekick for Pat and myself. He was goofy yet stoic. He was big yet gentle. He was always down for any adventure and he grew with us every step of the way. I love that dog like no other dog before. And I am in so much pain knowing he no longer greets me every time I wake up or come to the door. The story of what happened. About six weeks back, Lewis started acting very strange. He was not coming outside, not eating, very weak, provided blank stares with a slight tremor. We knew something was wrong, so we took him to the ER late at night. The ER said they thought he had eaten weed, but we knew that that was not the case. They took his heart rate and blood and and his rate was very elevated and his white blood cell count was extremely low. They offered to do an x-ray but told us to bring him home and planned to give him one in the morning when we didn't have to pay $1,000 for it in the emergency room. The next day he had not improved. 
So we brought him to yet another emergency room since it was a Saturday. They did an x-ray on him and said he had a massive blood clot in his spleen and referred us to yet another specialist who could do a potential surgery. They warned us though that there was a 90% chance there was a mass on his spleen and that a $10,000 surgery would just tell us he only had weeks to live. Oh, terrible. We brought him to that emergency emergency room to stay the night, coming back the next morning to hear our options. The vet tech brought out Lewis and said the surgery was not an option with his white blood count where they were and that we should plan to have Lewis for another couple of days before putting him down. We were devastated by this, going from a perfectly healthy eight-year-old poodle who should live until 12 easily to needing to put him down at the young age of eight. We went home with him, planning to make him feel comfortable and give him treats and love before scheduling at-home euthanasia. The day before his scheduled date across the Rainbow Bridge, we had to pick up one last med from the vet ER, and we decided to bring Lewis in to get one more blood panel done at the last second. To everybody's surprise, somehow Lewis's blood count had shot back up to the area it needed to be in for surgery. We were thrilled but cautious. The vet quoted us $13,000 for the surgery and post-op care, something that we had decided was too much for us as we had already spent 6,000 just in overnight care. So we found a low cost option near us that could get him in in two days. We slept with Lewis every night while he bravely fought, fought for every short and stunted breath. It was so hard and scary to watch him, not knowing if he would die at any moment. The day came and we went to the low-cost clinic, left Lewis overnight, and the surgery seemed to be a success. It turns out the spleen had flipped on itself twice. Singular splenic torsion, a very rare condition. There was no cancer and the spleen had not burst. We felt so incredibly lucky. After two more days at the vet, we took Lewis home and we watched every day as he slowly improved. We were over the moon, but about a week ago, we watched Lewis get off the couch and lose balance, seemingly confused as to where he was and which way was up. We frantically searched online for pet stroke, but since Lewis resumed normal behavior two minutes later, we had no idea what could have caused this. We chalked it up to him just sleeping on his leg weird and having it fall asleep. Ten days ago, we took Lewis on his favorite hike, and we noticed he was struggling to go to the bathroom. At an abrupt stop, Lewis showed us that his bowels were 100% blood, no poop in sight. We were extremely worried and again Googled and asked friends in the dog show world if we should bring him to the ER again. We were told to monitor him because bloody diarrhea could just be from straining to poop. As the days went by, his stool went from bloody diarrhea to just diarrhea. We continued to feed him rice and kept monitoring. He was acting fairly normal, although still extremely skinny compared to normal. Then comes last Thursday. Lewis was having accidents overnight for a couple of nights in a row, threw up violently, all water. He did this a couple of times and was again acting very off, much like how he was acting with his spleen. So we decided to take him to a vet before they closed down and we would have to incur another $1,000 ER visit. When we got to the vet, they weighed Lewis, confirming that he had lost 20% of his prior body weight. He then got x-rayed and our worst fears came true. His stomach had now flipped. We were devastated. 
thrown right back into extreme decision-making and fear for what lay ahead. On top of that, we had to have a decision that had to be made in 20 minutes, either send him up for major surgery, cutting him open again to flip his stomach back and staple it to hope that there was no external circumstances causing the dizziness, the bloody stool, and these organs to flip or to put down our best friend. After making a couple calls and shedding many tears, we decided to put Lewis down and not make him go through another major surgery six weeks apart just to continue to lose weight and be a shell of his former self. But as I write this very long, so sorry if anyone is reading, <laughs> email, I feel myself trying to take turn the narrative of the story to comfort our decision. The truth is, I think we may have made a mistake. I think that his spleen flipped from his stomach trying to flip in the first place. Who knows how or why? Then when the spleen was taken out, the vet mistakenly did not staple his stomach. Of course, that was the next thing to go in a deep chested dog. Maybe a surgery would have worked and Lewis would return to his normal, normal self. I can't stop thinking and regretting what we've done. Sometimes I tell the story to myself like how it ha happened. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think, of course, we made the right choice. Something I have, I had to have been causing this. Something had to have been causing this, but there is no proof here, no validation. The other times I'm filled with intense what ifs and beliefs he probably could have been fine after getting his stomach stapled. Sure, maybe something was causing bloat, but it could have been figured out down the road. Maybe we could have had one, three, six more months with him, a year or two. We went through hell over the past six weeks and for what to make a decision like that almost because what ifs and to not spend fifteen thousand dollars on an eight-year-old dog i just feel so sad and for the first time i'm really questioning if a decision i made was the incorrect one the grief and negative thinking are not helping or healthy and i know that i bounce back and forth every 30 minutes but this is the first time i'm writing out the story start to finish right now i don't know how i feel I feel sad. I feel numb. I feel angry. Thanks for listening or even just providing space for me to type this out. Here's a Reddit thread of our sweet Lewis. That's where we got the picture. The pictures. So, so a couple things here, right? The guilt, yeah, which is always there with the euthanasia decision and the roller coaster they went on. Yeah. You know, so all of a sudden, you know, they found out about the spleen and then they were going to have to euthanize. And then all of a sudden, it flipped and then there was a period of time. We don't know how long there was. And then all of a sudden he's extremely ill again mm -hmm. and his stomach has flipped. And I've never, I mean, I know about blow, but I've never heard of that. This really, really challenging medical issues that this. Yeah. Had. Spleen. I've never heard of a spleen flipping. I've heard of stomach twisting. Yeah. Um, and the roller coaster that they were going through, and especially when I, when he was writing, I, we had 20 minutes to decide, right? Yeah. Cause they went at the very end of the day and, you know, that's um, and the guilt then, right? So I think on one level, he says his poor dog was just suffering. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what the, the stomach after the stomach flip and the, the diarrhea and, and the blood and 
uh, vomiting and all of these poor things that dog was going through. And so of what they said is, yes, we need to do this. But then after the fact, you always say, did I do the right thing? Well, that's the thing that, and, and they articulate, he articulates this with such gripping Mm-hmm. presence yes. you know, the back and forth the mixed feelings that is so typical of yeah. people we so frequently have to make that decision quickly either because of the circumstances like his because you know we're it's the toward the end of the day and the the veterinary staff needs to leave soon or because there's just a lot of a lot of distress that the dog is going through which yeah. it sounds like lewis was and so the decision is often very it feels very pressured but they made the calls which is a great thing they talked to people about it and they were they were with each other it sounds like he and pat were there and they Mm -hmm. were able to make the decision and i always feel like even though there's these very difficult circumstances we're able to amass and synthesize the information enough to make a good judgment and that that's the way i think they should carry this that of course of course they're going to go he's going to go up and down and back and forth and all over the place he's going to torture himself with this because it is a torturous thing to have to go through but they do want to keep reminding themselves they made the best decision they could under the circumstances they knew that Lewis was very, very ill. He'd been ill for some time. He'd been weakening. And while he wasn't wasn't 12, he wasn't a puppy anymore either. He was a mature, you know, large dogs when they get to be eight, they're, they're into their, they're into their senior years. And so I, I think it's just really important for him to just Allow for gentle, all the turmoil, right, but just also accept right. they made the best decision they could at the time. And that's all well, any of us can do. I do also want to make um, some comments you and I can talk about, about the money. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, he it veterinary care is extremely expensive. Yeah. And you and I have had these discussions. We're talking about it today, you know, a little bit before we went on air. And, you know, and, and it can be that I remember Hank's splenectomy and, and gallbladder removal was was $12,000. So, you know, it, it's and that's part has to be part of the equation. No yeah, matter yeah. how much you love your animal, no yeah, matter yeah. how much you want them to live, there's there's a part. And they and they do say this now on websites that you also have to take into consideration you know, your life, your lifestyle, yeah. what, yeah. what, you yeah. know, your economic ability. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and, and a lot of people will, will go and do the credit and will pay for whatever they need to, which is a fine decision. Although for some people that's impossible. Yeah, right? it simply is impossible. It would be, it would be crippling to their home economy. Right. And so that, as we, we've had, at least one veterinarian talk with us about this yeah. at length on air as well. And we'll probably have more conversations about yeah, it. Dr. it, has Cole. To be, it has, yeah, Dr. Cole, it has to be a consideration and it sometimes can be very useful to have beforehand a figure in mind, like this is how high we can go without devastating our home economy. And that's, it that's also goes 
goes back to um, what the vets are saying that um, please have a fund yeah. that you put money into when you, yeah. you have a new a new addition to your home yeah. um, and or pet insurance. Yeah. And there's much better pet insurance out there now these days. In fact, I, I should really, we should really do a little piece on that because Forbes came out with a list of the best. Oh, that's um, but, you know, because it is so expensive and people get really angry with that and that's understandable. However, as a human, you go in and, and give your insurance card and you don't have to pay anything, right? Except the copay down the road. Oh, yes, you do a lot of times. Oh, some, okay, I, I take that back. If you don't have insurance or whatever, right, you have to. But it's the insurance part, right? Yeah. So, but when you have pet insurance, you have to pay up front. Yeah. yeah. You can't get the services until you do, and then you get reimbursed, hopefully. Well, in this case, too, they were paying thousands and thousands know, of dollars. And that's, I mean, it, it's, it, it shows you how much care and how much they were able to provide, but they're also getting to, to limits because they had to find a less costly place to do the surgery, right. which they I did. would never fault them on. I mean, you've, that, no, that was really smart. Absolutely not. I'm, I, they did find somebody, which yeah. I thought was really good. It was really smart. So we want to thank John yes. very much for sharing this very painful story. We have a note from Margaret, who I think typifies what many people will think, which is how traumatic. I mean, it's such an incredibly traumatic story. Yeah. And so our heart goes out to, to John and Pat. Yes. And, and thank you again for sharing. And yes. so we now want to move on to, to Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Now, interesting, the backstory on Elizabeth and her chompy was we have had um, Elizabeth tell us there's her story back in 2022, right? Mm -hmm. About a year ago. Um, she had talked about her Sam who had, who had died and then they weren't going to get any more dogs. And all of a sudden, she got Minnie, mm -hmm. and um, Minnie um, was an English bulldog, and Minnie died um, when I don't remember now how old Minnie was, but she had some lung and heart issues. And she and, died. She died about a year ago now. And so yeah. her collapse, you know, unfortunately, she she wouldn't be able to handle. I think um, noises or doors open. If there was something about that, and unfortunately. Um, somebody came to the door and she collapsed and, and she died. And it was devastating. In the meantime, though, they had gotten also Chompy, mm -hmm. who was another English bulldog, to be a pal to Minnie. And then four... So, unfortunately, recently, because um, Elizabeth got to us on March 15th of this year that, uh, you know, Chompy had died. Um, she says, almost 11 months later, after losing my heart dog soulmate in fur form, Minnie, who was also, her mother loved Disney and had died. So that's where Minnie, Minnie's name came from. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, but um, we had to put down our other dog, Chompy. Um, two days after Minnie died, we had to rush Chompy to the ER vet 
I was still mourning Minnie when Chompy started to have cluster seizures. Oh my God, how well I know this, unfortunately. That Friday night I was lost. I drank a lot of wine and I was ready to check out for the weekend. My husband was very angry with me because now Chompy needed to go to the ER. So he drove and we took Chompy to the ER. It was pretty horrible. We got counseling after that and life continued. Chompy was immediately seen by a neurologist who diagnosed him with epilepsy or a brain tumor. I do believe it became, it was a brain tumor. Um, we didn't want an MRI because that is scary enough for humans and I wanted his life to get back to normal as soon as possible. He with us lost his mind when Minnie was dying from a heart attack in front of us. He was put on anti-seizure medications and they had to be adjusted a couple of times because of the breakthrough seizures. For 10 months, it worked very well. Every 12 hours, he needed his meds. We haven't taken a vacation since 2020. We got a friend to come over and give him his meds when we were going out to be late one night, but for the most part, his schedule ruled out ours. I felt like Chompy was an, ang uh, an anchor that I didn't sign up for. And then she says, of course, that sounds horrible, doesn't it? Right. I suppose the only anchor was my unwillingness to trust anyone with his care for more than one night. They were, of course, she would be tremendous. Seizures are horrible. I've had two dogs now. Mm-hmm that have gone through this and you're scared to death to leave them right yeah yeah i can understand where she's yeah. what she's feeling yeah. with that yeah. um trying to plan a vacation caused me great anxiety figuring out who what where would chompy and that kept us both tethered to home my god he he loved me though after many passed he was always had to be touching me because of his brain tumor we now know that was what it was he had weird behavior that included constant licking, which he liked to do right next to my face on the, soil, on the sofa. Because he had to always be touching me, I was worried my office chair on wheels would accidentally roll over him, so we installed baby gates. We would try to keep him out of the office, but that became a game. He would run full force if I was going into the office, nearly knocking me down to get in there and set up shop on my feet. Mm -hmm. So I would have to toss a treat on the sofa and run to the office and close the baby gate. He would literally sit for hours waiting. At 10 p.m. last Monday, Chompy had a seizure. So we upped to seizure medicine. The neurologist said to do and figured that would be that. At midnight, my husband woke me up. Chompy had somehow torn his dew claw off during a seizure. Blood was everywhere, so it was ER time. When we got there, they gave him pain medication, trimmed uh, what they could, and, were, and we were going home two hours later. On the way home, he had another seizure, and I knew we had to go back. That was now three seizures. One is good, two is bad, three is ER. When we took Chompy back to the ER after about 10 minutes, one of the staff frantically ran out and asked if they could resuscitate him. Yes, I said. Although successfully revived, the vet thought he might not make it through the night. We were brought back to see him while he was getting oxygen. He was having trouble breathing and could no longer stand. I was prepared for his loss, but I wasn't prepared for the emotions associated with it. I miss him. The hardest part is the routine we had fallen into, the meds, seven, three. He, his wiggles as he grabbed a toy and shoved it into my shins, not gracefully, but so much joy. I love that so much. While Minnie was alive, he never had an interest in toys. I don't think he understood toys because he never played with them until he did. I looked for him today and then I remembered. And that, I, I have to talk about seizures. <laughs> 
is I had my heart dog Hank had epilepsy. Luckily, he did not have a brain tumor, but he does have it. And my boogie has epilepsy. Um, it people don't understand if they've not experienced it what that is like to watch your animal just go into this these um, paddling and 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 making a, a lot of movements and foaming and and they don't feel it, but it's really, really difficult to watch. And the problem with seizures is there's not, you can give them medication potentially, but it's, it, they're a seizure dog, right? I had a vet tell me that once. We had a seizure dog. And that doesn't mean you go to the vet every time they have a seizure, right? Because they can only be one when mm -hmm. there's one seizure. If you have clusters, then obviously that's much more difficult. And that could mean... Um, you know, uh, more serious complications, right? So I understand, Elizabeth, what you went through or with Chelsea. I, I certainly understand that you wouldn't want to leave because it can happen anytime. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And, that's, and, and also that she says, you know, he was like an anchor. It, we have to accept that human beings have feelings. <laughs> Yeah, and course. sometimes the feelings are pretty upsetting. Hey, look, it's a real relationship. Yeah. There was a lot of caretaking, and he and you know I I remember when we first got Boogie, and Boogie had cluster seizures. Uh, we had we had tickets to a show, and I literally, amazingly, I can't believe I did this, but I did because I didn't I couldn't leave him with just any person to take care of for that evening, right? Mm -hmm. So I hired a vet tech. Mm -hmm. To, to be there for the evening. Mm -hmm. And of course, talking about money, I mean, that was 300 bucks just for, mm -hmm. for him mm -hmm. to be there, for her to be there with him in mm -hmm. case he had a seizure. So I understand the, 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 the anxiety around yeah. that, which is so difficult. Um, but of course she loved him and, and he developed a brain tumor, which is just horrific. Although the, the, the brachycephalic breeds too. Yeah. Well, she she also says. I mean, she says stuff that's so relatable for for everybody. So I was prepared for his loss, but I wasn't prepared for the emotions associated with it. Yeah. The whole. It's like a really great description of the experience of anticipatory grief. Yeah. Versus the grief that hits after the loss. Like you, many many people will feel like they're sort of prey. Uh, braced up for it. They've gone through a lot of grief because they've been grieving the, the idea that yeah, the anticipation. they'd be with them. But then when they actually die, it's, it's all new. It's just all new. And then what happens is like terms of endearment, right? So when, she, I don't know how many people know that movie out there, but when Shirley mm -hmm. MacLaine, you know, all of a sudden her daughter does die, she's, and she's been anticipating her death, right? For a long mm -hmm. time. And they're in the hospital. And then she says, I never thought it would be like this. Now she is, mm -hmm. she has died, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a whole other other bunch of yeah. emotions that come out with yep. that. Yep. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Elizabeth, for yeah, sharing. Thanks so much for sharing. And we have another comment from Margaret who says, seizures are so horrible. Oh, horrible. Oh, yes, yeah. I will agree. <laughs> yeah. So we thank you very much, both Elizabeth and John. It's uh I'm thinking a lot of people will, re will relate to these stories and the emotions connected. Oh to my them. God. So, yeah. They're so raw and, and rough. It's just really hard. 
But thank you, Margaret, also for your comments. We appreciate those. Yep, yep. Okay, Nancy. Well, I'll talk to you again next week. Okay, we will. Take care. Yep. Take care, Bye -bye. everyone. All right.